Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody. I am super stoked for today's interview and really excited to share this information with you today from Kasha Kynes. We are talking all about the Epstein-Barr virus, and I feel like it is something that we're all becoming more familiar with because as somebody that has autoimmune and I've been doing a lot of my own research and investigating EBV is something that keeps coming up, and I've been hearing from a lot of people in my community as well who keep asking about Epstein-Barr virus. So I'm so stoked to have Kasha here today. We dive into all things EBV, what chronic active EBV is, how nutrition plays a role with it, how to do the appropriate testing, different types of triggers for EBV, how it is a very smart virus that basically hijacks our cells and hides in our immune system. And we just dive into so much good, good information that I know you guys are going to really feel like you have a lot of clarity around the steps to take to healing EBV, or even just finding out if you have EBV. So really, really stoked about that. And in just a few weeks, my girlfriend and I, Marnie, we are launching our Hashimoto's program, our online program. So if some of you have joined us earlier this year, we launched it earlier in the year in around March or April. And it was a wonderful four-week program, such incredible results and amazing testimonials from so many of the women that joined. And we're excited to bring that program back. And I feel like we both have so much new knowledge and information to share with this next group of women going through our four-week program. So if you have autoimmune issues, if you have Hashimoto's, if you have any type of thyroid condition, then definitely come join us in that four-week program. We will be opening registration in October, so really soon. And we've got a webinar that we're going to share with everybody some tips and strategies for dealing with autoimmune and Hashimoto. So really providing you with those strategies to move forward. But also in that webinar, we will highlight what our program is all about and really give you guys the behind the scenes. So if you head on over to healinghashies.com, you can get on the wait list. Plus you can download our free recipe ebook and when you get on that list, you'll receive all the information for the free ebook. And then you'll also get all the information to join us on the free webinar and all the details will be there. So just join us there on the list and yeah, you'll receive all the information. And I'm really excited to share more information about the Epstein-Barr virus in this next round of the Healing and Dealing with Hashimoto's program. All right. So for today... It's all EBV. And Dr. Kasha Kynes is a doctor of clinical nutrition from Maryland University of Integrative Health, a graduate of the very first cohort of the very first doctoral functional nutrition program created by Dr. Liz Lipsky. Her master's is from prestigious Bastyr University. She's the CEO of Holistic Nutrition Naturally and EBV Educational Institute. She has been in clinical practice since 2005, helping close to 2,000 clients, one 
at a time with complicated health issues such as gastrointestinal and autoimmune conditions, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, and Epstein-Barr virus, which is currently her main focus. Her virtual clinic serves people around the world. Because she works in depth with each individual, she takes only a limited number of new clients at a time. And I'm super grateful for her time and her expertise that she's sharing with you guys on today's episode. So let's dive in. Hi, Kasha. Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I am so excited that you are here. Thanks so much for being with us today. Oh my gosh, Samantha, I think I'm double excited to be here to serve. Let's see whose life we can touch today and make a change with this. Yes, absolutely. I love that attitude. So before we dive in, please share with our audience more about you and what you do. I'm a doctor of clinical nutrition. I jumped into the very first functional clinical nutrition track for a PhD because I was looking for it for many years. Dr. Liz Lipsky created it. So for any of your Listeners who are familiar with functional medicine, that would be the best of nutrition, modern nutrition. And so I was thrilled, partly because of that program, I've been able to hone in on the work with Epstein Barr in the book. I've been in clinical practice for 14 years now, fully, one-on-one, one person at a time, changing lives. This is what we do in the trenches and not really having a balanced life, I have to say. That's my next goal <laughs> because... People are hurting and they need help. And, you know, nutrition is often the ones where they go and there's no other help and we do it all. So that's where I'm coming from. Yes. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your honesty with that. And I hear you on that with the work-life balance. I mean, there really is no such thing. You know, we all have to find our own balance in our own way, but I hope, yeah, absolutely. And I do hope that you'll start to schedule in more self-care. So Let's dive into EBV. I am so excited to speak about this and I feel like there's more awareness around it nowadays. And so I think it's such a perfect time to chat about this. And I think it's so wonderful that you have a massive book. I saw her (laughs) book, everybody. It's massive. It's like over 500 pages and it dives into the nitty gritty of all things Epstein-Barr. So what got you interested in Epstein-Barr virus? Well, it's interesting that you are interested. So I just want to pull that little tidbit out of you. How come people are talking about that? What's going on? You tell me. Yeah. So on the radar, what happened? Yes, it is on the radar. So of course, myself, somebody that has Hashimoto's and autoimmunity, I have obviously been doing a lot of my own research and studying and learning. And through that process, EBV has constantly come up in my research. And so that's how it kind of got on my radar. And because of this huge epidemic with autoimmune, I feel like more people are becoming aware of deeper root causes to this autoimmunity. Yeah, this is so right. And you actually, you're not a minority. You are in the 90, 95% of global population that carry the virus, <laughs> except small percentage does fall into the trap of the, the activation and the chronic aspect of it, and then autoimmunity. Not everybody, right? But I think it's going to be very pertinent to any female, any woman, especially if the thyroid is not up to speed. I've seen, and if it's related to EBV, the solutions are much simpler and much faster than all you know the autoimmune protocols and this and that. If you're just strategic and 
that's why the book is so big. I really wanted to include every single nitty gritty or even supplements and how high you can go. And of course, work with somebody because it's a lot of information. You have to customize it. But it just makes me so happy when, for some people at least, we can really streamline, focus people and get them to turn around sometimes without days, within weeks, within months, depending how deep rooted it is and not even maybe fall into a particular diet and be very restricted. So this is a message of hope. So your question was actually how I got started. There's a couple of stories, first of all, and I write about it in the book. I had a very dear friend that was diagnosed with MS just half a year before I was due to immigrate and move to the States and get married and so on and so forth. And so over my trajectory of building a new life in this country, I've watched her trajectory fighting this condition. And so, and at a certain point, I remember when I was just devastated when I would call her every Christmas. And that particular time, last time I talked to her, I could no longer understand what she was saying. My life was so complicated, I couldn't get to Poland. I couldn't just jump on a plane and go and sit with her, hold her hand. That's all I wanted to do, sit with her, hold her hand. She was probably bedridden, you know, Her son didn't want to fill me in on details because they were hard details by that time. And I lost her and he was afraid to tell me for a while. I didn't know I lost her. I wrote her a letter just to make sure that she got it before. I didn't realize, you know, you have this voice in your head. You're so in denial when you don't see it daily. You think you have time. I'll call her. I was afraid to call her because I was so powerless and I wasn't physically there to just hold her hand and just at least to say goodbye. So that was really hard because she didn't get that letter. I always ask myself a question. I am a clinical nutritionist. What didn't I know? And I was always asking. And I guess part of me, maybe she's there in heaven pulling the strings. Somehow I stumbled upon things and it just led me into BV, the right people, the right place. Maybe I'm the right person with the right experience. So I was able to take it on and reformat it and hone on it and, you know, work with my clients and figure out things, get resolutions, start seeing that it's important, and then kind of be forced into a position to write the book because I felt I had no choice. I had an obligation. I can't just sit on it. Uh, One of the doors that opened, and I think that's what you were referring to, is this very famous now book, Medical Medium. Whether people believe it or not, It doesn't do any damage and the foods are wonderful. All the recommendations are very logical and people do get help with this book. But he was the first to open this door on the concept of EBV and how it might be this big umbrella for so many medical conditions, chronic conditions, autoimmune conditions, types of cancer. So basically, you know, your clients start asking you, did you read that book? Did you read that book? So what do you do? You pick up and read. I was flying to a conference. I didn't have time. I was doing my doctoral program. Well, it was before doctoral program, actually. But I could read it on the plane. So I bought it. I, I'm going to read it on the plane so I can have a conversation about it. I have to know what people are asking me to read. And I couldn't close it. I was highlighting everything. It was like I made a mess out of it. I could not stop reading because I was a frustrated clinician that worked with very complicated cases People were coming to me with nothing else worked. And I was used to sometimes hitting the wall. I just didn't know what was there that I didn't know. Why didn't I know? I went to the best schools. What is that? 
And so it's only in the doctoral program that I had a module on virology. And that just was lucky stroke because that kind of was like tipping point for me when I had tools and I started to drive it. And that just was a trajectory. And then, you know, we don't know what my friend died of. We don't know what was a triggering factor, but there is a possibility that that was the trigger and we just didn't know it. But to watch... Now, I've been in the States for 22 years, and we lost her three years ago. So it, she battled it almost 20 years as I was building my life. And it's just so ironic and so unfortunate, so unfair. And when I started to research on it, I stopped because every time I went into a condition, I was starting to find at least association, if not causation, with the virus. I was blown away. You know, when you look at Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, for example, it's an autoimmune condition. It's a gut condition. It's your colon or your small intestine. And I wouldn't even say I've worked with this for years, but I wouldn't even think there was EBV behind it. But I was finishing the book and I was thinking, why didn't I check that? Well, let me just check and see what happens. Right. And then I have consistent studies, one after the other, showing that about 60% of either of those are most likely trigger initially by the EBV infection. Like, what? So that one really hit me over the head because it was not an expected connection. Right. And nobody had ever, ever, ever showed me in research. I, I had never learned about that. And, and why didn't I know about that? So that just tells you, you know, and at a certain point I stopped looking into research for different conditions because I said, you know, the book needs to go. I can't just keep adding. It's still almost 600 pages. <laughs> But so that your, your community is not worried, one third is research and two thirds is <laughs> you know, healing stories and tables to fill out and things to do and recipes and stress reduction and sleep improvement, all kinds of practical tools in the kitchen, you know, pictures from the kitchen, all kinds of practical tools that you can use instantly. It's not a rocket science that you may not appreciate, but you have it in your hands to heal. So I don't want anybody to get intimidated by the book. The book is for doctors and their patients, basically two books in one. So the problem is if the doctor is not listening, you can just take this book to the doctor and they have to look at it. Because sometimes they're looking and I've had a lot of doctors and clinicians come to me. They're looking, but they don't know. They have poor, poor results, mixed results. Right. And you need validations in research. And I think looking at medical media made me realize, well, there's a claim. If I can, with my background, take some of his claims and do medical research and look at medical literature and see, can I pull some things to validate it? So it was 75 pages and, and somehow, you know, the Hashimoto warrior and genius Isabella went somehow got my email with, you know, I shared that with her. And the next thing she tells me is I barely know her. He says, it's wonderful. When are you publishing? It's like publishing what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of like, okay. So I have to honor the process. Basically, I am a willing recipient. I always ask myself, you know, let me know what my next step is, what I need to do to be of service, what I need to learn, which people I need to meet, who I need to help. How do we do it right? So the global population shifts, just like with Hashimoto or celiac or SIBO, there wasn't any awareness, there wasn't any help. Now they're coming. And so this one is the next one. We really need to get that message of hope out. It's critical because time doesn't work towards our benefit. You know, with this, the longer you have that, the more damage can be done. So that's kind of the story. 
Right. So I think before we go on, it would probably be important to really explain what Epstein-Barr virus is. So can you expand on that? Yes. It's a virus that apparently has been on this planet for a million years. And as far as I understand, it wasn't causing damage before. And when I looked at research, it seems that it really thrives in toxicity and hormones. When you have hormonal changes, this would be very pertinent for women when they are, let's say, breastfeeding or postpartum or perimenopausal changes. If the person is not very balanced, is overstressed, it appears that the virus really likes to feed on extra hormones. Like think about the moment when you have the baby, apparently within just minutes or hours, there's a complete switch in hormones and their new hormones are flooding the bloodstream. So it's like the big, big opportunity to feed the virus and get it to come back. So Think about Hashimoto that was induced postpartum, right? That's a big deal. So how much of that is actually the virus reactivating? So EBV is in most of the global community, just like you probably know that and you probably teach your community that we have more DNA of microbes in ourselves than DNA of our own. So we're kind of hosting a lot of microbes and a lot of them are absolutely instrumental for our health. And so I don't know if that virus was helpful in previous centuries, but it's been with us for a long time. Maybe it has mutated because of the toxicity level we've had. Right. And so what you want to pay attention to is the fact that once you have a virus, it stays with you for life. So some antibodies will always be elevated if you've had it. You could have had a little cold and something, little infection, like sometimes tonsils are strep and sometimes tonsil infection, tonsillitis is actually EBV. You know, in childhood, a lot of kids have it. Sometimes in childhood infancy, it's very mild and nothing happens and parents don't even realize. Oftentimes, when you're in college or you're a teenager, when you have a lot of stress, you don't sleep, you overstudy, you overparty, it's a kissing disease. So pretty much it's impossible to not have that virus. But there is a time, like when you are a college student, you don't go to sleep at 9 p.m., right? And you don't have a very good diet. You don't have the nutrients that actually maintain your immune system so the immune system can keep it in check and nothing happens. You kind of tank with your nutrition status, your low antioxidant level because you're invincible. You don't know about these things. You're young, right? You don't sleep, you party, you kiss. And then some women may remember how they had this terrible flu during college that kind of never went away. I've heard stories of two years in bed, half a year in bed, taking a semester off because you just feel like a truck ran you over and there's really no apparent reason. It's just like a terrible flu. And so for most people, it goes away. But for some people, it becomes chronic. And it comes and goes and comes and goes. Your baseline kind of goes down. So you're never the same, even when you kind of recover. That's the common story. I've just never been the same. I'm not at my optimal level of energy. It's just like I'm maybe 60%. I'm not sick, but I'm not well. Maybe you have aches, maybe you have pains, and then maybe your thyroid goes down and you get on thyroid medication. But first you feel great and then you feel even worse because it's not a match because the virus maybe is in your thyroid and you have to take care of the virus, right? So for women, what I see the worst thing is when you have, if you remember, a very bad period in terms of stress, and I see that culmination of things, maybe a bad divorce, 
you've lost your job or you lost somebody you loved and you have to move across the country and you had night shift or your combination of stressful events when you didn't have support, when you didn't have rest, when you didn't have good nutrition and suddenly that truck hits you and you're immobilized and you have aches and pains and whatever. It can be tingling, numbing, it could be brain fog, it could be terrible chronic fatigue. That's classic chronic fatigue. Sometimes even fibromyalgia. And then autoimmune disorders start popping one after the other. And so for a woman, you know, a woman wants to take care of everybody else. But then there is this concept and fear in the back of your head. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand my body. My body's giving up on me. I don't know what's next. What's around the corner? What is the next diagnosis I'm going to get? And the new labs. I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. And suddenly women develop this deep anxiety, that primer anxiety about life and death. And I have goosebumps when I say this because it is really serious. And at this moment, I want the woman to know listening today, at this moment, you completely shut your body's ability to heal. You can't go there and you don't have to go there because the body is only trying to keep you alive. It's not deceiving you. It's not giving up on you. It never does. But it's fighting something. We just have to figure out with the right help what it is. And EBV is one of the big hitters. Right. Maybe not everything, but you know, it's really when you have celiac and you don't, you're not getting better. That might be because it's been triggered by EBV. We have a new study. Wow. So as you're, yeah, as you're speaking, I'm going in my head and like going back through my own history, my health yes. history. I'm thinking about my mother. And I know, you know, she has lupus, she has rheumatoid arthritis, and she also went through a really stressful time when her mother passed away many years ago. I'm connecting the dots right now. And yeah, you're getting that ball rolling right now. So yes, 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 yes. That's the point of the book. My new clients have to read the book. You know, they've read the book in different stages of edits, but that was homework for them before the first session. I wanted them to think about their life in this concept, like zoom out and see a bigger picture because it's really instantly empowering. You're not crazy. It's not in your head. You don't have this depression. It's not your personality, that anxiety, depression. This is not you. You know who you are. And sometimes for women, especially, they're not heard because they will tell their provider, but I'm not depressed. I'm not depressive. But right. here's the antidepressant you needed. But you know, if you look at a story you start seeing all these little points in life. And, you know, we haven't even talked about rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or they're in the book. They're studies. Yep. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting that I have something so positive to bring. <laughs> so I, I am excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you. It's going to change a lot of lives and I'm happy to share this message. So well, you need to get better too. You need to yes. get and hit the road and be strategic and watch first week, second week, because if these things don't help, it's either not EBV or there's something clouding it. Like maybe toxic molds, maybe heavy metals, electromagnetic field. These are big, big factors that can really impact your immune system and confuse things. And then it's not enough to just work with on EBV, excuse me. So right. it's, otherwise it's pretty predictable. Yeah. And I mentioned this on a previous interview that I noticed my health started to decline when we moved into this condo that I'm currently in oh. and we're surrounded by 
so much electromagnetic frequencies, you know, Wi-Fi is all around us. We're 27 floors up. We're not close to the ground. Mm-hmm. There's been different mold or type of bacteria that's been blowing through the vents. So we're moving out next year, but I noticed a big shift. Um, yeah. Since living here. Yes. Yes. You can't not breathe. Right. Right. Absolutely. You cannot not breathe. Yes. So you speak about chronic active EBV and severe chronic active EBV. Can you explain those? Yes, there's a lot of confusion in medical literature, so I wouldn't get hung up on it. I, I noticed that even the, there is a Facebook community I support when I can. They were really stuck on which one do I have and what does it mean. Even medical community researchers are confused and use one or the other. I would say the severe chronic one is when it is life-threatening. These would be certain cancers that we know are, are caused by it. Well, when you have to have transplants. I would say that severe is, in my opinion, is a chronic aspect of it that disables you, causes an ability to work and function. And so I had a case of an artist and a voice teacher who was struggling to stay alive for about 30 years with that in excruciating physical pain. It was physical. It was joints or muscles. Nobody could figure it out all these years. And she was not able to work. And that's to me is severe. So I would, you know, I wouldn't really worry about names that much. The chronic aspect is when you just never well. Got it. And the severity is, I would say it's subjective. You know, how bad is it? I have a gentleman now who says, I run a business, but I can't think. My brain fog is so high. I literally cannot perform. He's in highly highly performing business owner, and it's frustrating him, but it's nothing you can do. So that is for me severe. Right. We have to, if it's the virus, if it's in the brain, we have to clean it from the brain and we can do that too. Which is great. And you talk about that in your book. So there is testing that we can actually get done to determine whether or not we have it. Can you talk about this testing? Mm -hmm. So this is very, very good question. I'm so glad you asked. There's a huge chapter on testing. So if anyone is really very detailed and wants to know all the possibilities, all the positive negatives, all the permutations, and all that is in the book. But I also put it in a little shorter version on the website, EBV Health. And you literally can click and go to an online lab, depending where you are. This is for US. I don't know if you can get the same in Canada, actually. But basically what I see a lot, and that really is traumatic for people, is when they reach out to a provider and the provider refuses to test because medical community says the old paradigm is that everybody has this virus, which is basically true. And so you will have elevated antibodies and it doesn't say anything. It means you've had it. Right. That's how far they go. There's one particular marker, early antigen, it will say EA. That's the one that you don't want to skip because that's the one that is elevated if you are reactivating right now. So it would be great for anybody that has a history of not being well and are going, well, going back and forth and back and forth over the years, you know, having a flare up of some sort and feeling awful and then getting better and then having a lot of stress flare up again. So you want to catch it during that bad time when you really feel ill and get 
the panel tested and get that early antigen tested because if it's elevated at that time, you're catching a reactivation. You know that that's what you live with. But let's say if you felt terrible, terrible over Thanksgiving, I had a case like that from my colleague. The woman tested in March. The early antigen was not positive, but when we tracked down her symptoms, she was flaring up during Thanksgiving for many obvious reasons, probably the diet, the stress, but she didn't test then. So of course, after a couple of weeks, that antibody will go down and the doctor will tell you, you don't have it, you had it in the past. In her case, it was probably up and down. Just like with Hashimoto's, you can have a right. storm when it's high and then it can go low and, and doctors can misdiagnose it because they catch it high or catch it low. And, but if it's driven by EBV, it doesn't matter. It's EBV driven. So with the labs, the worst case scenario is when the doctor refuses to test. And I hear that all the time. Or they test two or three and they don't test early antigen, let's say. And that wastes your time, your energy, your spirit is down, you get deflated, demoralized, you feel you're going to die. It's really disheartening. So what I want everybody to know right now is that they are direct to consumer labs, at least in the States. There are many of them, and you should look locally. On my website, I have two buttons. They are direct. I have no relationship to these labs, but I know they exist. One is requestatest.com, and the other one is lifeextension lifeextension.org or lifeextension.com, I don't remember. They have education supplements, but they also have labs. And sometimes they have very good deals. And typically you could expect about 150 American dollars for the lab, for the panel. But they sometimes have a deal. I saw even $72 or something like that. Great. And so if you click on both of them, they're going to have the same four antibody panels. So you need four antibodies. Just remember four. If you don't see four of them, you don't have to remember what, but if you don't see four of them that look similar to each other, (laughs) that's not enough. Don't don't use that panel. So those two examples will have those precise panels so you can copy and paste or you can write it down. So when you have a conversation with a doctor, if you go physically to a doctor, you can request those and be be your best advocate because you you are more updated on the EBV than probably your doctor. They're not in the know yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. I'll put all those links in our show notes as well. And I think I might have some ideas of where people can go in Canada and I'll be sure to share them Wonderful. in the yeah. show notes as well. Yes. And yes. Yeah, so you get your results and then you can go back to that website page or go back to the book, to the chapter and look at your results and read all the permutations of what if you have this positive and this negative, what is this and what is this? Cause there's going to be confusion and there's different problems. Some people will be negative because they don't make the immune cells. They actually don't make them. Right. So they will be negative positive. So there's a little piece of that there as well. So you are covered. You are covered. And once you learn that, it's not that hard. Once you do, you'll be very empowered. You'll have what you need to explain it to anybody and you'll know what to do. You can take uh, health in your, in your hands. Mm-hmm. Great. So that would definitely be the first step is going to get tested so we can see where those antibodies are. And then from there, kind of match up those antibodies to your book and how you explain it in the book. And then that will really help lay out sort of the next steps to move forward. Yes. Perfect. So I know that there are smart mechanisms that the virus uses to hijack our cells and essentially hides from our immune system. 
Yes. Can you explain this? Boy, this thing is so smart. So some of your important immune cells are B cells, B as in boy. Very famous. They're very important. And unfortunately, this is one of the cells that is a preferred cell. T cells too, but B cells are really the uh, hit the most. So the virus will lyse into those B cells and then that's it. It's going to be in that B cell during the reactivation. It's going to use the B cells DNA, create its own RNA and create little baby virus. It's like a factory. And that B cell, of course, the B cell will travel. It'll get to, you know, it's going to be in the bloodstream and it's going to be going places, but it's the Epstein-Barr virus is very smart because here's how amazing, intelligent our body is. When you have a cell that is infected, are you familiar with the word kamikaze? Yep, yep. <laughs> well, that's when you terminate, so to speak. So there is a, it's called apoptosis. There is a kamikaze system when the cell yep. says, I'm infected, I am a danger to other cells, I'm going to just kill myself, just this is who I am and this is how it is. Well, this process is disrupted. So in research, they say that B cells become immortalized. They can't die. So you have them perpetually in the suspension between reactivations. And when reactivation hits, those B cells will spill and the virons are spilling out and they're infecting other cells. So that's one mechanism. Another mechanism is an inflammatory factor called NF-kappa B. That's induced by poor diet, junk food, stress. In order to keep NF-kappa B in control, you have to have antioxidants, fruits, vegetables, vitamins, turmeric. There's just a whole laundry list of natural foods and, and fruits and antioxidants that actually keep it in check. And uh, one of the favorite tools to hijack for Epstein-Barr is actually that NF-kappa B. So the more you have, the more you will drive it up. So that's one, what, another way. Another kind of indirect way, EBV hijacking others, is transactivation. You may have herpes, you may have strep, you may have a cold, you may have some other you know, bacterial infection because you're so stressed out or you picked up something on the plane flying. And it goes both ways. And there's a physiological pathway in the book. You can read it if you are a health nut, like if you want to know the details. <laughs> But the, basically what happens is that if you have another infection, it can trigger reactivation in those B cells that are infected. And suddenly instead of that little flu, you have reactivated EBV and you feel awful again. And it goes another way to if you have reactivation of EBV and then you, let's say you have a history of herpes or strep or yeast infection, sometimes the other one can reactivate as well. So it seems like a party time different species, but they love to work together. Right. So speaking about reactivation, I'm sure that there's a lot of things that can really reactivate the virus Mm -hmm. from stress to genes to environmental toxins. Mm -hmm. And I know Mm -hmm. you even spoke about fireworks and forest fires or wood burning fires. Yes. Can you expand on that? Okay. Let's start with the burning fires because I have a scratchy throat because we have an alert <laughs> today. I think the British Columbia is burning too, right? We That's are in right. Washington State. Yep. I've been really diligent posting on Facebook and anywhere I can around July the 4th and around the fire alerts because people don't realize 
during the burning of the fire, one of the chemicals that is released is one of the most dangerous chemicals, environmental chemicals called dioxin. An interesting thing is dioxin alone can cause atherosclerosis, which is hardening of your arteries. You will think diet, that's what it is, but that chemical can trigger it. But more importantly, so you know, there's your heart health. But more importantly, it does in research confirm that it reactivates viruses, among them Epstein-Barr. And I have a little virus living in my left ear. I've always had it since birth. It's a long story. You know, everybody's different. And I never understood what it was and why I had bronchitis and how all this connected until I started doing research and working on EBD. So, for example, today when I woke up, I wake up and I feel a little bit of ear pain. And I'm asking my husband. He says, yep, we have an alert today. And we have a forced air. So, of course, you can't really isolate yourself from it. Right. But I'm very healthy, so I know how to zap it. And it doesn't, you know, it goes down. And I'm fine. But if a person has EDD history, that actually can re-trigger the whole flare-up. So, for example, just yesterday I talked to one of my clients. She is on a protocol for a lot of things. She has SIBO. She has SIBO. She has Hashimoto's. She has Epstein-Barr. And she was doing fabulous. We're working on SIBO part. Fabulous. Recovery. Except she says, I don't know if I had a healing crisis or something. And on a specific date a few days ago, she said, I started to feel scratchy throat, tonsils, and like just malaise, and I don't know what's going on. Well, what was the first day when you had alert for the fires, forest fires? And it matches with when she started to flare up. And so this is when, if you have the book, for example, if you, you can go right into the supplement session and pull some of the biggest hitters, the first five on the list, and kind of go for the higher doses that I mentioned towards the maximum, and you can literally, literally sometimes turn it around within hours if that's just minor. If it's a deeper one, you may take a, a day or two, but you should feel better. But just dioxin is released in fireworks. So if you have concerns, you should probably not be sitting outside enjoying it in the air. You should watch it on TV. And then wood-burning fire. Right. Wood burning fireplace, you know, pits, just staying away from the smoke coming with the wind, you know, sitting away from it. So just being aware of it, like with my ear, I would never know. I would never know. All these years, I didn't know the connections and why. And it's so predictable. Right. That's really, really wild. I never would have thought that. And I know. Yeah, I never would have thought that. And again, now I'm, you're just making the wheels spin and I'm going back. <laughs> I was just in BC recently. Uh-huh. And they had few wars. Well, it's interesting because where we were, we were up in the mountains. So just the elevation alone took me some time to get used to. And I had headaches, I was dehydrated, and then we went out on a helicopter ride. And I mean, all of it was beautiful, but I definitely felt it in my body. And even when I got back. I was just really, really tired. You had to recover, yes. Yeah, yeah. It just took a lot longer to recover. And now, yeah, now that you're saying, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. fires. Well, yeah, so next time you can really be more strategic and more focused and curb it. Because, you know, it's damage. You know, it's not just feeling crappy. It's, it's damage is being done. Right. And by the way, if you're on a helicopter, you're higher, you're a little closer, there's a little bit more radiation. And, you know, thyroid is a, is a Velcro for radiation and toxicity. So... If you're going to be on a plane, any woman listening, get some spirulina and maybe take 
eight tablets of clean Hawaiian spirulina. So when you get on the plane, you support your cells from the radiation because it will happen. Yes. Plus, another aspect of radiation, and I didn't find studies in radiation specifically on ABE, but I did find one study on a very low exposure to electromagnetic field. I did. And so there's a chapter on that. But if you are going through the airport, one more thing to avoid to decrease your toxic load, especially on your thyroid, is to not get through the x-ray machine, request a pat down. Yes. Very, very simple. You're just going to wait for an, a minute or so longer. They're going to take your stuff away. If you do it first time and you're not comfortable, request a private screening. So they do it in a room. I don't care. I always stand there because I want people to be educated and look at me and think. Right. And I can tell you that once we traveled with two girlfriends, both are functional clinicians, and just talking about it amongst us and me making that choice and then making that choice, there was a pregnant woman standing behind us who started to ask questions. And she says, oh my gosh, I don't want to go through it either. I want to pat down too. To see right. what we yep. So yeah, the toxicity is a big issue. There's not enough studies yet, but some of the studies that I've seen kind of make sense. They're logical. Dioxin is one of them. Smoke, cigarette smoke is well studied for EBV as well. Possibly other human-made toxins, environmental toxins, heavy metals. Right. There's only one study kind of overview that I found from a few years ago on affinity of viruses towards mercury. For sure. Mm -hmm. Which I find I'm actually highly reactive to fish now. I never was before. And it's something that I've cut out a lot. And especially fish, I do find is more bacterial. It's, there's so much more bacteria with fish and sushi and whatnot. So I've been really conscious of just kind of minimizing my intake of that and just mm-hmm. actually eliminating it. I haven't eaten fish in a while now. Look at that. So that's yeah. your imprint. Everybody's different. Mine yeah. is here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. So you speak about air quality in our homes. Are there some suggestions and tips that we can do to improve that air quality? Yeah, well, one tip is to have green plants, except making sure that you know which plants like the sun and which don't, because if you start having moldy plants inside your home, then that can really affect you even worse. That's one thing. There there are specific types of plants that filter air better than others, and don't ask me because I don't remember. (laughs) Neither do I. I no longer have plants because I am so busy. I used to years ago and loved it, but I am so busy. I would not have time to wear them, <laughs> except basil outside. That I will do because that's so wonderful to eat. So that's one. You have to have a filter. And I have a story in the book. I had to write that story in the book. And I have pictures with my fingers and the grease on it because I would never think it was as bad in my house. We didn't have forced air in that particular room. I would open the window periodically because in my office, home office, because my kitty used to like to sit there. That's all. So the only air that was coming was from outside. And I didn't clean my air filter for a while. But when I attempted to clean it one day, the whole wall behind it, behind the collector was greasy black, and I couldn't wash it off. I was just smudging it. You know, it was grease from the car exhaust from the pollution. Right. And then I ran my finger on the collector, and it was greasy black. And I caught it in a photograph. It's in the book. So 
I can't criticize any particular product, but I'm not personally a great fan of HEPA filters because they are a little bit outdated, clunky, loud, expensive, not as efficient. We need more nanotechnology and you don't want anything that collects molds or collects bacteria that starts growing within inside that filter. So you have to replace it and buy it again. So, and there's a new product on the market. I'm just looking at it. It looks really good. I can't remember the name. It won an award last year for invention. I think I know uh, what you're talking about. I've seen it come up recently in some of my feet. It's a little tube, yes. Yes, it's, it's like silver almost, right? Yes, I just yes. don't know the name. I still really like what I use, and that's the one I discussed in the book just because I'm familiar. You know, I don't have any incentive to do it. But we have four of them, and that's the one I was discussing in the book. Because you wash it off, you don't have to re- buy a new product every few months. You wash it off as often as you want or as you need. And it does collect the most minute positive particles, and that would be molds, and that would be viruses. They had a study when a room filled with flu, you know, with or without this filter made a difference in the the mice, whether they contracted flu or not. So I think comparing them to HEPA is appropriate. I think this one is better than HEPA. It's a Swedish technology. It's called AirLife, I think, right now. It's quiet. You can hang it. So it's very easy to maintain and you pay once basically, but the company doesn't do a good job explaining how to maintain it, how to clean it. You know, people sometimes are angry that it doesn't work, but it doesn't mean it doesn't work. You just don't know how to maintain it. I write a little bit in the book about it because I love when there's a beautiful product, but I really don't love when there's no education behind it. It's just the product you have to deal with it. Right. So air is extremely important because we can't escape it. And if you look at Environmental Protection Agency, years ago, they made a claim that the concentration of environmental toxins indoors is eight times as, as high as just outside the same house. Because if you, you can think of it, uh, let me look around here. You have plastics, you have particle board. Particle right. boards will gas or formaldehyde. You have carpeting. I think this will be more pertinent to Canadian listeners. I think heated floors are popular in Canada. (laughs) Because of our cold winters, Uh probably, right? So I think I mentioned it in the book. Yes, I did. It was very interesting and very important. And that's a very important point. Really want everybody to hear me on that. If you have heated floors, please do not have wall-to-wall carpeting and do not treat that carpet to clean it periodically because chemicals will be released, particular carcinogens will be released, hormone disruptors will be released in heat from the floor. So you want to have natural rugs, you want to wash them naturally. There was a study when researcher himself was looking at a particular chemical and volunteered with his family in Canada to just test the household. So they tested during the whole family was impacted by this chemical, and and then when they tracked it down, since moving into this household with those heated floors, his wife had a lot of problems carrying through her pregnancy, delivering. I don't remember exactly, but out of the blue with no history, out of the blue, she had those problems. So obviously, they did testing, they did detox, they did retesting, they ripped off the carpeting. <laughs> No, I mean, you wouldn't think about these things. Right, you wouldn't. Um, but... Even the bad habit that we all develop in this country, in the States at least, of 
walking into your home with your shoes on. Right. And then this this odd study that I found, how would you know that? The tar sealant everywhere. You know, there is a sealant that they put on tar, on parking lots, roads, wherever, just preserve it. But over years, it starts leaking, gets on your shoes, and then they look at the research, and it's landing in the air, it's in the households, and people breathe it in, and it's toxic. And so just even... (laughs) You don't think about these things. You take things for granted, but we are stewing and there's a tipping point, you know, the body's not equipped to deal with all that toxicity. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are some really great points. And I know that I read, you need to have a plant for every 100 square feet that you live in. So our condo is very small. It's just over 800 square feet, but we have eight plants in here and yeah. And and they're great for cleaning the air. Yeah. So let's switch gears and talk about nutrition and how nutrition is relevant to EBV. Oh, enormously relevant. So let's say you have a junk meal. There is a study. There's a very simple study. There's one meal, I think hash brown, sausage, sandwich, something like that, a combo, like a typical big combo. And they did that study and then measured that inflammatory marker, NF-kappa-B, the one that the virus thrived on, and it increased it within the next, I think, one and a half hours, increased it by 150%. That's crazy. Right there. And so when you look at studies, very consistent studies show if your nutrient status decreases, if you don't have the vitamins, the minerals, the, the micronutrients, micronutrients if, if you have a low nutrient status, automatically you make your viruses more virulent, so more aggressive. That alone. So you can have a triple whammy, double whammy, triple whammy, because if you don't eat organic produce, then you're already depleted of certain nutrients that are just depleted from the soil. Right. The produce is only as rich in nutrients as the soil is rich in nutrients. And so the industrial farming does not nourish the soil. The soil is actually dying. So you may be eating, but you will not get the nutrients. One of the biggest nutrients is magnesium. Women don't get it enough. For women... You know, if you just have enough magnesium, your PMS may go away. I don't know what PMS is. I don't think I've ever had it. Your anxiety may go away. Your sleep may improve. It's just such a key vital nutrient for women. Yep, it's my favorite. Sometimes that's what it is. Yes, we are depleted in magnesium. You look at studies and that's one of the most depleted minerals. So the food is the foundation. And if you start improving your foods and decreasing your toxicity level, things will start shifting. But it's going to be slow. And I feel that, yes, it's fine. It's wonderful. I don't think it's enough to really do what you want to do. You really want to be more aggressive with particular nutrients, maximizing supplements, like, for example, selenium. You can do selenium in Brazil nuts, but you don't want to overdo Brazil nuts. You do not know exactly how much selenium will be in those particular nuts. How, how much selenium in the soil was there available for them. It's right. not predictable, but if you want to hit the virus and really have more predictability and know that you're doing your best, then you really want to target a supplement and you want to go at the maximum dose indicated. And for me to really hit the virus, it's up to 800 micrograms a day. It's safe. It's studied. It's not 200. Wow. Yep. I take about 400 right now. So um, when, when you have a flare-up, you can jump up to eight, and it is safe in research long-term, but you have to make sure that all these supplements make sure it's not hidden somewhere else. You don't want to go over 800. 
right. and become toxic. But so, so that's what I mean. There is a more urgency. Selenium stops the replication. So you want to stall the virus. You want to improve everything you can, but you also want to hit the virus, attack the virus. And that's your lysine, that's your licorice. Licorice is wonderful for female hormones, for stress, for adrenal exhaustion, when women are over, overworked right. and they don't have any gas anymore. They're yep. just too exhausted. A licorice is wonderful for that on top of EBV, but it's a big, big hitter for EBV too. NAC and acetylcysteine is also very big and you can drive it up. Very well tolerated by most people. That also wonderful for the liver, for the detox liver needs to be supported. Liver is really taxed by all this toxicity from the virus. So, you know, you want to be strategic. This is where magic happens fast. This is where you really see that this was virus because it's working. <laughs> This is why you see the difference. This is why, what I'm excited about. And this is what I was most afraid to publish in the book because I'm talking about high dosages. I don't know uh, the people that will be reading. I don't know if somebody will overdo it and get hurt. And I don't want to hurt anybody. So I really encourage people to take those supplements and all those protocols to a clinical nutritionist because they will fly with it. They will customize it to the person's life and what they can and cannot absorb. You know, everybody's different. Right. But without the food, you don't have a chance. Right. Absolutely. You have to have the food. Yes. Because food, especially plants, are high in antioxidants, gamma interferon, all those wonderful phytonutrients, resveratrol, you know, all those, well, turmeric, green tea, all those very, very simple natural foods, anti-inflammatory foods, Many times anti-inflammatory foods that everybody's familiar with are also antiviral. So I have a whole chapter on herbal teas. They are validated in research for their antiviral quality. So instead of drinking water, you can at the same time drink those teas. So every time you open your mouth, you do something antiviral. That's where magic happens. So I also have a blog on EBV Health website about herbal teas. So I have a whole, all that article is there with different names and you can them, enjoy them. So you have to be strategic because you don't want to spend a whole year trying to figure it out. You want to start healing, supporting your body, stalling the virus, putting it in its place, repairing. You know, there's so many things to do. That's the best part. So many things to choose from. Which is great. I will definitely link up that herbal tea article for sure. And so what's your take on eggs? I know in the medical medium, he talks about eggs. I have so many people in my community that keep yelling at me every time they see you know, me eating eggs or something, which for myself has actually been a high IgG food for me. So I've eliminated it and I don't eat it as frequently as I once did, but I'd love to hear your take on this. Yes. So I knew of this claim. Guess what I did? I looked at research. <laughs> right. And I did find research on IgE, which is real allergy actually, and EBV. Yep. So it's a little bit complicated. It may have to do with some of the triggers, depending which research you look at, may be linked to the way vaccinations for some viruses are made when there is some of the egg protein or, you know, it's just it's a bit of a gray area. However, there was a study that was pretty clear that there was something in it. So I have a whole chapter on eggs in the book, and I pretty much have the same chapter as a blog on the EBV help 
website. So I have the research, I have the hypothesis, I have the replacements, I have recipes, I have unusual words that can hide eggs that people may not be familiar with. So I would say eggs are so allergenic. Even if you have organic or free-range eggs, you really don't know. If you have your own hen and it's grazing on dirt and you get those eggs, that's a different story. And if you haven't had vaccinations, that probably might be fine. But I would definitely take it out and see how you feel, get everything in place. And then I've seen people do perfectly fine with eggs until they got Epstein-Barr. I've seen that. And suddenly they had to take it out. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel better. Right. I've never had that problem before. So I'm, I was glad I found that one study and that, you know, it's such a big book that, okay, I just need a signal and I have to move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> a big book. But like I said, you know, there's enough, there's enough in that one study to raise an eyebrow and there's enough hypothesis when you want to pay attention and see. It's a highly allergenic food right now in our food industry. That's for sure. And it's that's everywhere. Right. You would not know you're eating egg. It's in, yeah. eggs, yes. yeah. it's in a lot of salad dressings. And I know for us, we go to a farmer's market and we get our eggs from the farmer. He doesn't even wash them. And those are probably the best eggs that I've ever had. But again, I'm still pretty conscious of not eating them as frequently. And yeah, but I know that they're a staple for so many people. They're waking up every day and eating eggs every single day. Every single day. Well, you don't want to eat one food every single day if it's a high allergen. That's right. I had blueberries and flax every single day for probably 10 years straight. And then I started to react. I didn't know I had to do the testing and then I had to back off. We are creatures of habit, but it's nice to rotate. It's key. Especially when you... When you're not very well, you may overreact if you have repeatedly the same food. So with that, you don't want to throw five types of berries and chia seeds and flax seeds every day to your smoothie. You want to do one, maybe hemp seed, another day maybe flax seed, another day, you know, one type of fruit. Just space them and rotate them so the body is not repeatedly exposed to the same combination. That's right. That's same right. with egg. I would say if you're really flaring up, you have to just kind of take yourself on a test and see in similar circumstances when you feel really bad, if taking eggs out is helpful or if taking them out for a week, maybe you don't notice anything, but bringing them back the same way you were eating them before. After two, three weeks of not eating any eggs, that's oftentimes enough for the immune system to give you a red alert, like what you're doing, what you're doing, bringing it back. I just recovered. Right. I had a good time without your eggs. <laughs> you're bringing them on. I'm going to give you a big red flag. And suddenly it's like the reaction is exaggerated it's in your face. Like I've never had this reaction to eggs before. What you did and it was stunted because the body, the immune system had to deal with it every single day. So it was busy. Right. Now you clean it up, you bring it back. Your body says, no, I don't want it. I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually a good process too because you will find out. This, you know, you will find out. Yeah, absolutely. So what other foods would you say that we should be avoiding? I would say invest into organics. It's not optional. That's what I would say. More plants if the gut can tolerate plants rather than animal protein. The eggs are kind of a danger zone, most likely. Big fish is a no-no because there's so much mercury. The bigger the fish, the older it is, the more concentration it will have. 
I would say avoid tuna that would have too much mercury. There have been recorded medical cases of psychosis. And really, yes, a teacher had to be removed from from his pupils because he had dangerous thoughts and and nobody could figure it out. He was eating tuna to get some omega-3. Wow. A can of tuna or half a can every day. So that was a very alarming study. Somebody finally, a functional medical doctor finally tested him, found he had mercury in his teeth on top of that, removed the mercury, removed the tuna. He recovered in eight months, went back to work with the kids that he loved. But point taken. Yes. Tuna is no longer just tuna. That's right. So I would say focusing on, importantly, importantly, so you have quality of food now, but you can still destroy that quality of food. Right. Or not have the ability to optimize. One of the things that I teach in the book is how to balance your meals. So no matter what you eat, especially for lunch, you maximize the glucose, the brain getting the right nutrients. So your afternoon is steady and you have energy because that the afternoon is really the hardest for women for many reasons. So you have to have quality of foods, but sometimes people overdo certain food group or don't have enough components. The food is not balanced. It's all organic, it's all wonderful, but they still dip with the energy, need a nap. So I map it out. There's a big chapter on it. I've, I've taught people this for 14 years. It's amazing and very simple. So just even that. Another thing that we can't escape, something that is fixable in the matter of moments or two, three seconds, is avoiding microwave. Because we're losing more nutrients with the microwaving. We're creating certain chemicals that we're not that familiar with. Some have some bad research behind them. And I even have a chapter on that in the book. And I created an ebook as a thank you gift if people buy the book. They can go to that website again and get that. When I map out what you can do, like how do you reform your kitchen so you don't have to worry about microwave, you don't have to spend money, you don't have to work extra. It's just as simple as throwing something in the microwave, but you don't. Right. So, you know, these are kind of aspects of our life. The water filtration. Yes. Water. So air quality, water filtration. You have to drink your water. And you're going to drink fluoride, chlorine. That's going to affect your thyroid, possibly. But also a lot of chemicals. You have glyphosate in the water. Mm-hmm. You have heavy metals in the water. You have pesticides in the water. So water filtration is great because you set it up. You have it. You're independent. You still have to drink water. Just like with microwave, you still have to heat your food. You still have to breathe. I have big chapters on these because I thought, well, let's start before we invest into food. Let's just start in something that is around us that we can't escape. Right. So one group of research that uh, studies that I haven't mentioned is when we discussed that lunch, making sure that you don't go hypoglycemic, that you don't skip meals, that they are balanced because that in research can also trigger reactivation and make the viruses more virulent. So skipping meals is not optional. Having meals that is just one group of food is not balanced, not optional. Right. Just like having low nutrient status, having hyperglycemia, ups and downs of the glucose, that is wonderful for the virus, but not for us. For sure, because it's a stressor to the body. So, mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, so Samantha, to think about that, this, the weirdest conclusion of all of this is that for me, EBV is like a symptom of our industrial environment. Right. Because all of this I've been teaching before I taught EBV 
in my detox program, all my clients anyway, all this, and you're teaching the same thing. It's, yep. it's not something new, but it seems that everywhere I look, that's actually what can trigger this virus, bring it on, and it thrives. So when you cover all these bases, suddenly things shift. Right. So that's kind of the diet, water, air. We didn't talk about stress, but I think stress is number one trigger. For sure. I mean, you have a chapter on stress, but you also have this great chapter on sleep and how lack of sleep is not an option for EBV. No, no, no. It's terrible. People can't sleep with EBV, but there are certain things in our culture we don't do that we should, or we do that we shouldn't. Very simple. And in 80% of the cases, it's also related to glucose and brain being fed. So just, I have all these tools there. Sleep is stressful. The lack of sleep is stressful. Just like the same thing, stress Lack of sleep. Sleep is really hard in this country. Sleep is number one complaint for many people. And if you don't sleep, you can't fight EDD. It's just not possible. Right. But sometimes I have to work on the sleep, figure it out with people so they can sleep. And then we can build on it. So it's like wherever you look, someone dates, it's like the environmental insult, the lifestyle, the stress, all the things that we're affected with Yes. You know, in our culture, you have to look at them. Because of that virus, one of my clients is an amazing advocate for functional medicine. She's had really many different conditions and came back to me after years of doing great with EVV, was lucky to be tested, and she's doing great. And she's an advocate. She's a blogger. She's a very famous blogger. And she put an amazing blog about it that has reached millions of people, I think. I don't know. But the point is, she's an A-personality overachiever which is common. Yep. That's the group to watch for. You can't be overachieving. Just relax. You don't have to do everything. Slow down. But she says, you know, it was a blessing in this guy. It was a teacher. She had to change her life and change the way she looked at other people. She doesn't have to try to prove something to herself or others. She's enough. She's loved. It's okay. You know, just having love, having support and living your life without overdoing and overachieving. And that's a path towards reactivation right there. That's where the stress is paramount and the body just can't help you enough to ward right. the virus off. So does it make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Well, you've shared so much great insights and advice, and I cannot wait for mm -hmm. our listeners to get their hands on your book. It's available on Amazon and on Kindle. So I want everybody to head on over there and grab the book. The book is called The Epstein-Barr Virus Solution, The Hidden Undiagnosed Epidemic of Virus-Destroying Millions of Lives Through Chronic Fatigue, Autoimmune Disorders, and Cancer. Love it. It is a jam-packed book. <laughs> and I can't wait to sip my antiviral herbal teas and have, have the book in hand because right now I have your PDF and I just can't wait to sit there and read through it. We'll be mailing it to you. And I am also inspired and I will be thinking about making my own toothpaste again after many, many years and making my own soaps. And you know, I love your stories and your recipes there. I have to Thank have more you. time, but your listeners probably know all those wonderful recipes you have there. But if they don't, they should go to your website and check them <laughs> out because I'll be sharing them as well and maybe making little videos eventually to inspire my community as well. That's what we need to do. You know, that's yes. when we need to start making our own things and carving our own voice as women. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So where can our listeners find you? My name is a website, kashakinds.com, K-A-S-I-A-K-I-N-E-S.com. That's <laughs> yep. an older website, has been with us forever. But then we created a new website just for EBV, which is beautiful and has a lot of resources already. And that's EBV Help, H-E-L-P.com. Great. So either way, it's fine. I'm trying to post some blogs. I just have limited time, but I would love to do more. But I think the book has a, not all, there's more to say, but it's enough. But it's got a lot, yep. Hopefully change people's lives for better and getting some people to live their lives again. And that's really exciting to me. So I really am so grateful to be on and have the opportunity to explain all this monster. Not such My a pleasure. Monster. We can totally do it. Yes, <laughs> yes. So and first. You need, yeah, you need to get better too. Yes, absolutely. And I'm on that path and I'm on the up right now, which is really wonderful. And my thyroid antibodies were quite high for quite some time. And Mm. in the past few months, they've actually dropped down significantly. And it's interesting because my practitioner was like, what are you doing? And I said, (laughs) actually, I've been sleeping I've been outside in the sun. I've been in nature. Like I've really just slowed down and there wasn't anything overly drastic that I changed. And I really think that vitamin D and the sunshine and the nature and being outside, that had a huge impact. Yeah, we haven't talked about that, but you're absolutely right. Yes, yes. yes. So your immune system then could catch up and do what it does the best, keep it in check. That's right. That's right. And especially, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, I always say I was born in the wrong country because I thrive when it's sunny and hot and I (laughs) do not love our Canadian winters. (laughs) So I feel like that's why my body is in this thriving mode right now because we're in summer and it's hot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your message. I'm really, really proud of you. And this is going to be a book that's going to really shift the landscape when it comes to healthcare. So thank oh, you so. for sharing. Thank, the you, thank you. Thank you for saying, I hope so. I hope so. It's been too long for so many people and for clinicians too. We need to get that message out. So yes, yes. thank you for your help spreading it. Let's get my, it out there. My pleasure. I'll mm-hmm. share everything over on the show notes. Thank you everybody for tuning in and thank you so much, Kasha, for your time. You're welcome. My pleasure. Well, that was an awesome episode with Kasha Kynes, and I really hope that it really provided you with more clarity around EBV. And if you are somebody that's listening to this that has autoimmune issues and Hashimoto's, perhaps this is the next step to dive into in order to uncover deeper healing for yourself. I know that that is definitely the case for myself, and I'm so excited to get my hands on her book. I currently have the PDF version, and there is nothing like having the real copy in your hands. So I encourage you to head on over to Amazon, grab her book, The Epstein-Barr Virus Solution. I'm really excited that the information around this is starting to become a little bit more mainstream. I think we're hearing it more frequently now, and it's great because there are so many of us that are struggling 
and have some of these complex issues going on. And now we have more solutions and protocols to help us heal. So to grab any information about Kasha Kynes, her book, her website, head on over to the show notes at holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 29. And all of the show notes can be found there. And of course, if you're listening to this and you have autoimmune issues, thyroid issues, Hashimoto's, come join us on our wait list. We will be launching the next round of our Healing and Dealing with Hashimoto's program in October. And I cannot wait. We have helped so many women really learn about their autoimmunity and learn about their thyroid and implement the right supplements, the right lifestyle shifts, and the right nutrition. So you can head on over to healinghashies.com and you will get all the information there about our upcoming program and as well as our free healing recipe ebook. Thanks everybody for tuning in and I will chat with you guys next week.